Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. And here in Detroit, where so many of the tools of victory were turned out, it's in the air. All Detroit wants another kind of victory. They're out to see the Detroit Tigers, their favorite ball team. Let's go inside. You're listening to Tigers SRD with your hosts and former Little League All-Stars, Chris Brown and Roger Castillo. Welcome to Tigers SRD on the Tiger Minor League Report Network and Overtime Media Network. I'm Roger Castillo alongside Ms. Chris Brown. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartMedia, Stitcher, and Google Play. Follow us on Twitter at Tigers ML Report and our new Facebook page, Tiger Minor League Report. Our guest this evening is Trevor Huth, who writes for Bless You Boys, Pitcher List, Via Elbertos, Prospect 65, and Prospects Live. You can find him on Twitter, on Twitter rather at Huth Trevor, busy man. Also, it works in radio, so I, it's it's nice to have another. Well, I'm, I'm from radio, but just we're talking beforehand about boards and all sorts of like production stories. So, Trevor, welcome aboard. How you doing? Good. I'm I'm happy to be here and uh, glad I can talk for a second, give you a breath after having to read the intro. I always feel so bad. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I love everywhere I write. I, I, you know, they're all great. I just always feel bad when people have to introduce it because it's it's quite a handful. <laughs> no, yeah, it's it, it is pretty cool. But I mean, to have that kind of variety of to have that kind of and also you worked at Motor City Bengals too, right? For a little bit, is that correct? Yeah, for uh, about a month, I did. Um, I got into that. I, I was with Fansided writing for their Cardinals site, and um, I lucked into an internship with WJR covering the Tigers, and so I just emailed them like, Hey, uh, by the way, I'll be covering the tigers here. Can I do anything for you? And so I wound up at motor city Bengals for about a month before I, uh, moved into a different, uh, position at another site. That's awesome. So before uh, we, we get to the topics tonight, uh, Chris always asks, since this is a tradition he's done since bad hop radio, we always want to ask our, uh, the, our first time guest, Chris, take it away. Yeah, hey, Trevor. We, uh, we love to hear about people's first uh, earliest baseball memory, if you have one, or maybe just your oh. best from when you're younger. Okay. Uh, I'd love to tell you that my first baseball memory is, is my dad taking me to tiger stadium because that's a true fact that happened, but I was way too young to remember that. Um, <laughs> he just took me so I could always say I went, even though I have no recollection of I was <laughs> one, two years old. Um, <laughs> and I turned into a baseball nerd, so I very much appreciate it actually. But, uh, I'd say my earliest baseball memory is I went to a game. It was Cardinals versus the San Francisco Giants. 
Um, and I remember three things from that game. One, I remember seeing Barry Bonds in left field and hating him. I remember um, the pitcher, whoever started for them, don't know his name, went over his head in his windup. I thought it was the coolest thing ever, and I started imitating that. Um, and for whatever reason, they were honoring Ozzie Smith. So I got to see Ozzie Smith do a backflip in the outfield, um, which is kind of cool considering I was you know, born after he retired. So I was very fortunate. <laughs> I got to see it live and I didn't know it was going to happen. My mom just tapped me on the shoulder and shoulder and she goes, look, something cool is about to happen. I go, what? And I saw a backflip and I was very unimpressed at the time as a three-year-old. Um, <laughs> however old I was, I was very young, but, uh, um, and as I've learned, that's actually one of the coolest things that's probably ever happened to me. <laughs> See, the thing is about like Ozzy Smith's who was with the backflips is I used to get mad because when before Alan Trammell got in the Hall of Fame, their numbers are very similar. So I would say, oh, well, because he does backflips and uh, he should get in the Hall of Fame over Alan Trammell. And I used to, I was a very admitted, jaded, jealous fan of Ozzy Smith, but that is pretty cool to see. And the older you get now, you realize there's not players that can do backflips like that or anything. So, and, and for the Cardinals fans out there too, that's, yeah, I'm just jealous. I mean, I'm I'm not gonna lie. I mean, just, you know, you, you know, two World Series appearances, or sorry, three World appearances, World Series appearances in the '80s. You have '82, '80, um, '85, and '87, and the Tigers were supposed to be the quote unquote team of the '80s. So the Cardinals definitely proved that. But Chris, were you look researching the picture that he was referencing? I'm looking it up. It looks like it was September 28th, 1996. Oh wow! Uh, does that seem right? No. It does Maybe. not seem right. I was born in 95, okay. so I probably wouldn't remember that. Oh, so, it, this, is, uh, so this is 98 then, or 98, 99 then, right? It sounds it, like it. It might have been around there. I don't know exactly what they were doing that day. Um, I just remember seeing him, and I remember seeing him do a backflip, and uh, he could have right. just been there so, to yeah, hang is, out. I don't really know. <laughs> this one from 96, yeah, it was actually his his farewell season. Okay. So he actually was doing okay. big, yeah. It might have been his – he might have been getting – honored into the Cardinal hall of fame. I don't know. I don't know something along those lines, but I was just, I was there and I know my mom made a big deal about me seeing it, which is probably the only reason I remember it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's uh that is, that is a pretty cool first memory. And while Chris looks like he's uh, trying to figure out the picture, cause I'm actually kind of curious myself, but I wonder, but, let's see, he was in, in hall of fame in 2002. That's how that sounds like it could be right. Yeah. Let's see. Well, sorry. Yeah. I'm just um, over here. Uh, wasting and, time and it's also this. it's also very possible that i'm combining games and i'm remembering that oh. just because i remember barry bonds so oh i do yeah. that all the time yeah <laughs> i mean <laughs> one of the it was the first game i remember going to was uh, two games i guess maybe potentially that i remember going to where i saw barry bonds and didn't like it and uh <laughs> i was actually i thought he was close enough that i could like pour my drink on him not realizing i had really tiny <laughs> arms he, he definitely wasn't close enough but <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, and, and, and you know it's funny too. Is like this. There is a lot of like. There's two schools of thoughts with Barry Bonds. Either you hate him or you like him now, and whether he belongs to the Hall of Fame. And then you see that story about him helping Christian Yelich, where Christian Yelich talked about Bonds helping become a better hitter. So it's back then. It's, you see, I like him now. Yeah, me Absolutely. too. Absolutely, I like him now. I think he should be in the Hall of Fame. But you know, back then he just was. He hit well against the Cardinals, and for some reason I knew that, and I'm like, you know what, this guy. <laughs> <laughs> unreal um so baseball is back they had any of the announcement yesterday among all the this is the first podcast since since march actually well yeah technically since march 
that we have actual baseball to discuss and there's going to be there's a lot still a lot of hurdles in terms of health wise i mean you heard today the tigers mariners and red sox all had positive tested positive for coronavirus charlie blackman of the uh, royal or excuse me of the rockies tested positive alvila said the player was living in florida but wasn't working out in lakeland so he didn't identify who they were so that's kind of a good thing and then for the first time since 1901 spring training will be in detroit you know spring training in quotations of course and also what's going on with uh, seattle too and and but well, there's a couple of questions I want to get to you guys before we get to that, but it's in terms, I'll start with you, Chris, in terms of baseball being back. I know a lot of people are hoping in, in like just some fans are just like, Oh yeah, this, this examiners like just this entire groundswell of like, Oh yeah. Baseball's back. There's a sport I can watch. And it seems a little, I don't know. It seems a little frantic, a little weird, but I mean, Chris, I know you were kind of on the fence about whether the season was going to start or not, but, is this uh, all this hysteria, all this like happiness? Is it seems bittersweet, doesn't it? Uh, yeah, absolutely. And and yeah, I'm still very skeptical that we're gonna actually have games. Uh, I mean, I feel like there's money to be had, so they're gonna force force their way through it no matter what. But you know, I you hate to think the worst, but if somebody gets really sick, I, I can't imagine them continuing to go forward with it. You know, we've got a, lots of positive tests already. I think today. Was today the most cases of coronavirus uh, so far? Like, like we set a new record across the country today. Like, this is not getting any better. Uh, so, yeah, it's just a weird thing where where this is kind of how I felt it would be at the beginning, and I didn't envision the three months of labor strife getting super annoying. I think I think a lot of the relief and the getting this right now is that that part is over and we don't have to hear about it anymore so we can get back to thinking about baseball but i'm still kind of worried that we're not actually going to get any baseball yeah i'm, I'm with you on that too and trevor i mean where do you stand with this i mean again you, you're writing for these various sites so like for myself I'm i'm somewhat excited but at the same time i'm also kind of apprehensive and and rather kind of nervous about the whole thing i mean especially when you see that matt boyd has asthma and you read that he was fine with pressing on the so the baseball fan in me i mean absolutely loves this because one there's going to be baseball happening two it's going to be different and i think the strategy part of it's going to be just absolutely intriguing to watch all season so interesting to pay attention to but i'm very skeptical the season's actually going to happen if i'm being honest i mean uh, I, I don't, I don't know. Like the, the, we've seen a ton of cases. Again, you, you mentioned a few of them. Um, I think my immediate reaction was, let's wait to see if, you know, two or three stars come down with the coronavirus and see if they really can push on. I mean, Charlie Blackman's one. I mean, what happens if you get a couple other stars around the league? I don't know that I. I mean, the way I see it, it's going to be tough for the league to be like, well, you know, the guys you want to pay money to see are getting sick, so we're just going to keep going with it. I mean. It's just tough for me to think that. So I'm very skeptical for the reasons you guys said. Plus that, I feel like there's it's it's almost inevitable that a couple big names are going to get it, a couple more big names outside of Charlie Blackman, and it's going to come out. And um, when it does, I feel like it's going to be impossible for the league to ignore it and just be like, well, we knew this was going to happen. 
Yeah, I mean, you look at the situation too with uh, Avery Bradley in the NBA. The, the Lakers decided that he's going to step out and not play this season because he doesn't want. He has a six-year-old son, and I think that we're going to see more cases of that. So, um, kind of a six-pack of questions here to ask you guys about this with baseball being back, and this kind of ties in what we're just dis- discussing. What is the biggest fear among executives? I mean, I would think they also are you, Trevor, with just the stars getting the virus. I would think. Yeah, that's one of them. I think, uh, you know, even just an outbreak probably on around your team. I mean, uh, what's happening with the Blue Jays, I think if they've gotten several, that's probably one of the biggest fears that you can have because that's your team. You're given a limited number of guys. So if it starts picking away at them, that's not good. Um, it also just isn't good for your team to be like, okay, well, we have 12 cases, but you know, they were isolated or whatever. Or maybe we have more. We don't really know, but we're going to go ahead and play you know, whoever's on the other side of the of the field tonight. I mean, it's just a, any type of, of COVID breakout is just has to be among the biggest fear for executives because they were fighting for all of this. And uh, and really, the, it seemed like the COVID cases in baseball spiked as soon as they're like, all right, let's play. Well, you, Chris. Yeah, I, I think what would bother me as an executive the most uh, in kind of a heartless way would be thinking – you know, what if we end up, so, so we're, the details I got, you know, we got a 30 man active roster, right. And a 30 man taxi squad, but I don't think there's any changes to the 40 man roster. So you basically just have 10 more players from the taxi squad. You can call up without really, uh, you know, getting into some weird machinations with, with your 40 man stuff. And, and it, that would be the thing that I think executives would want to avoid where they, they are basically having to remove players or lose players just to add somebody from the taxi squad because they've got too many people laid up with COVID. But, but there is that there's the special COVID uh, DL, right? I'm curious if that, like you could put somebody on the 60 day DL or whatever that, that allows you to open up another 40 man spot, but eventually there's going to be a reckoning there too. So I, yeah, I just, I, I feel like as an executive, especially for a team like the tigers, like I, I, being forced to use one of your top prospects before you want to just to continue playing in a meaningless season would be a real bummer. I think the the one fear uh, as an executive for my, if I'm going to be an executive here, what I worry about the most is the liability of some of your non-player personnel. So for example, your scouts, your like just some of the people who work in the front office that I mean, right now they probably just have some sort of they legally speaking how they set themselves up to where they can protect themselves. Because if I'm an executive right now, let's say I have a scout out who somehow gets the virus or what have you, and those scouts don't make a lot of money. I mean, they knew what they signed up for, but at the same time, there's just so many liability issues with that too, and they're taking an inherent risk if they're out scouting talent no matter where they are. So that is something in terms of even from a baseball from a not player stamp from a non-player standpoint um, that leads to the, the taxi squad situation. What happens if teams run out of players? So Chris, I mean, here we are that like, I don't want to, I'm not trying to be morbid with like, you know, half the team comes down with a virus or something like that. Cause that's, that, that's the last thing I want to happen. But in a, a situation where players right now could pull muscles easily, you can see all sorts of just injuries because it's such a, like, the training regimen right now, players would be technically playing. So for them, I, I don't know, like that, that right there is if teams run out of players, it's just because it seems like to me, it'd be a lot of just like little injuries. 
Yeah, I mean, that, that's what um, we talked about. Was it the Yankees last year had like 25 different guys go on the DL? Yeah. It's, you know, I mean, it's a full season, but, but with a short second spring training and players maybe not all being fully in game shape, I could definitely see a, a rash of injuries uh, and, and beyond, you know, coronavirus. You just, you just have a ton of injuries. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens there. What about you, Trevor? Yeah, the the injuries could happen. It makes a position like catcher and pitcher even more valuable than it is. And, um, I mean, hey, I thought that it was a little crazy to bring in, you know, Romine and, and Haas while you also have <laughs> Griner and, and uh, um, you know, Rogers all ready to go. But, hey, maybe that's the smartest thing that's happened for the Tigers. But, uh, no, but it, it really is going to put pressure on the catching position and the uh, pitcher position because – you usually carry less catchers. You can cover the rest of the field with, with other position players. It's really hard just to throw a guy in some gear and put him behind the plate. And of course, pitching is all always, always at a premium. So, um, you know, I, I'm sure there's a contingency plan. I know that they were talking something about, uh, you know, like in AAA Nashville, there's the sounds, uh, they're going to be using their field as like a league for, I want to say it was independent guys who can just be ready if needed. So that's, potentially an option but it's going to be kind of kind of weird and uh it, it like you guys were saying if the injuries hit then that's kind of just out of luck <laughs> yeah i mean in tr- for something like nashville too which has been looked at as a possible baseball expansion city too that could be something where that could be a testing ground for that too and yeah it was i think they're getting paid 400 bucks a week or something like along those lines similar to what the some of the minor league players were paying but you know they the tigers signed the they got the trade, the Matt Hall trade. They got the catcher from the Red Sox. They have they they had a bunch of catchers in camp too. That I mean, potentially you could see. The I, I you know I don't want to think this, but maybe something along the lines of bringing in catcher like Cooper Johnson at some point, like down like hypothetical, a total hypothetical situation, but to give those guys some reps and and maybe just extra bodies, if you will. I mean, I hate to see it see it like that, but. Um, You're right, though. Cooper Johnson defensively can do it. The offense would – I'd have to close my eyes, but defensively, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it would work. Yeah, he's got that weird swing that we saw last year at West Michigan that still needs some work. But, yeah, I mean, it, it, it there's – I'm trying to think it was a John um, – who was the catcher they picked up from Boston, Chris? Um, oh, boy. Um, yeah, I don't I don't remember. Yeah. I would I, I would bet that on the, the taxi squad they probably will have – They'll probably have three catchers there and probably carry three catchers on the 30 man roster too. So, yeah, I mean, I could see one of those, those four, uh, Romine Haas, Griner and Rogers will, will be staying, staying on with the taxi squad. I would guess it'd be Rogers. John Um, Nunez is the catcher. Thank you. Question. Yeah. Yeah, There you go. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. uh, Hopefully it's not forcing the issue in that. Go ahead, Chris. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, mean, I it's going to be weird. There's going to be a whole lot of stories to tell about this season in the future. Uh, speaking of stories, what do you guys think of this extra innings rule? Because there's going to be some very strange. And Chris, you had some really good data about this earlier in our group chat on Twitter. This this is a lot of people are, are you know, going to, this is not traditional baseball. Blah, 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 blah. And so the, the next two questions kind of tie in with that. I got a lot of like the the universal DH, yay or nay. Oh, we'll get to after this, but um, 
I got a lot of people who were pissed off about the DH and NL, which I don't understand. But anyway, I digress. Chris, go ahead. Um, what do you think of this extra innings rule before we get to Trevor? Um, you know, man, I, I'm not crazy about it, but I, I wasn't crazy about it when they implemented it in the minor leagues and stuff. Um, but then again, like, you know, I, we always joke about this, but like, let's not act like baseball already doesn't have some ridiculous rules that we just accept because they're there. Like we talk about all the time that the drop third strike is the dumbest rule. It's like, if you strike out on a pitch that the catcher can't even grab, you don't deserve to go to first base. You, you deserve to like hang your head in shame, but, but it's just this weird antiquated rule that we still uh, abide by and just, you know, other things, interference in the base paths and stuff like that, just, just silly rules. So, we don't like this because that's not traditional, but uh, in a season like this, I think it makes sense. What what I don't really like is the idea that, uh, you know, they keep it forever. I, I there's a, there's a, a kind of a sense of uh, camaraderie among fans. It, typically uh, for Tigers fans, it always seemed like there would be a game against the Mariners that would go like 16 innings. And so we're all up at like four in the morning, five in the morning, just, just because. And so I, I kind of dig those super long games, but you know, I guess if they want to want to end them, this is a way to do it. I just uh, it just feels a little bit icky. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Trevor? I'm actually on the other side, or at least, I mean, I'm not necessarily out there with picket signs going, you know, new extra inning rule. But I just I'm so indifferent to it. I think, um, you know, I, I talked to you guys a little bit beforehand, but I, I was an intern with the. Uh, Toledo Mudhens during the first season they implemented it in minor league baseball. And so I got to see it a handful of times during those games. And as it turns out, after the first game, I didn't even notice it. I mean, it was just mm-hmm. one of those things where the first game I was like, it's kind of weird. They're just putting a guy out on second. But by the second time I saw it, I'm just like, okay, so what, you know, they're taking a while to get the runner on second. Do they know they have to do that? <laughs> it is just something that it, it turned out to, you know, watching it, at least for me personally, just turned out to be, uh, nothing because frankly, you know, you got a guy on second, you have a bunch of professional hitters. It's not like it's first team to score wins the game. You, you know, the other team also gets a runner on second with the professional hitters up. So, you know, I, I understand that it's not traditional and it's new and, and everything, but if I could be more indifferent about something, I'm just not really sure what it is at this point. <laughs> yeah. I think baseball has, for whatever reason, Baseball is just so against like new rules or new, new, trying new things. And I, I'm all for crazy new rules. I just, yeah, it's this one. I just, I don't know if it's, uh, aesthetically pleasing, but like you said, even it, it's purpose is to end the games, uh, sooner and people will get used to it very quickly. It's, it's, I remember when college football had no overtime and, uh, people were like, Oh, I wish we had overtime. And now they have this weird overtime where it's back and forth and everybody's like, all right, whatever. It's and that's like, kind of, I mean, that's kind of what, what it, this is really, I mean, yeah. in, in college football, they set you up at whatever yard line and, and, you know, you got to score, you got to keep the game tied. That's what this is. They're putting you, they're giving a guy on second and you somehow have to take the lead or keep the game tied. I mean, they, the only difference is you don't flip the coin to see who gets the first chance. Yeah. And how, how, how many people are still out there complaining about college football overtime with people are just like, Oh, that's how it is now. Whatever. Yeah. I mean, I, I, so. I, I like college overtime. I think it's, I wish the NFL would do the same, but I, the NFL is a little different. I understand that like defenses and offenses were much more advanced, but college, I love college overtime because it's just so exciting. You see those games are like 50 to 48 and three overtimes and that element. And I, 
the more I think about it too, like when I remember when the pitching clock was implemented and seeing that down in Toledo, the the couple times we went down there beforehand, it was you don't even think of, you don't even think about it after a while, and then you see it in the major league level, it's the same thing. It just kind of becomes noise in the background, and I think that will apply for also too for the universal DH. And for a long time, I know there's now you know National League quote quote purist out there. To talk about how this is this is stupid and it should be traditional and blah blah blah. The pitcher should bat, and that universal D the, the DH rule when people complain about it, like you know Kevin Costner didn't feel the dreams. It's just such a cosmetic BS argument. Like I I've never understood where the hatred behind oh it's just not pure baseball. It's like you know, look I understand the NL is always going to have the NL naturally pitchers it's like ERA or under or run under. If you go from league to league as a free agent, and I understand that offenses in American League are crazy, but didn't stop teams in you know '97 for the Marlins to win the World Series as an example, or whatever the case is, it doesn't. It, the DH has never turned the tide of the war. The when it used to matter, the American League and National League used to be two separate things. It mattered, but as over like as a child of the '80s, it just it never occurred to me that that's what the NL did. And that's that's okay. And it never really bothered me that I don't, I don't know. It's, it's a whole purist argument. It's just sometimes it's just cosmetic, but yeah, or nay on the DH for you, Trevor, we'll start with you in terms of for the national league. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. For so many reasons. One, uh, I always think back to Jimmy Nelson getting hurt, sliding into second base and, and pretty much derailing what was turning into a promising career for him uh, in Milwaukee uh, Two. I don't understand why I should want to see a pitcher up there who spends probably as minimal time he can uh, working on hitting because he wants to work on his craft of pitching. I don't know why I would want to see him with a bat versus, I don't know, let's say Jose Martinez or, you know, somebody who, um, who is just a pure hitter, maybe doesn't play the best defense, but that's a whole nother story. But, you know, just why would I not want to see the better hitter there? I mean, that's just as a fan, if we like home runs, we're actually getting more home runs. Yeah. I, I, I don't understand that either. And for somebody like for the, for the, you look at the Cardinals situation too, where you have, you have a, you have a bunch of, you have a series of outfielders there that you have Tyler O'Neill, you have Austin Dean, if Dexter Fowler, um, Justin Williams, yeah. Harrison Bader. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's just Lane they, Thomas. Yeah. There's, just, mean, yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, they the, traded away Randy Rosarena and they traded away Jose Martinez and they still have six outfielders that are like too good for AAA <laughs> <laughs> and kind of blocked at the MLB level. Yeah. So, I mean, you can see definitely Tyler O'Neill getting some time at DH, but uh, what, what about you, Chris? I mean, does this really matter to you at all? Uh, no, I mean, I understand why people who grew up in a certain era as a fan of National League teams might be opposed to it just because it's a change from the way that they're used to watching baseball. But I think the strategy aspect of it is, is overrated. Um, you know, it, it's you get more bunts, you get you get double switches, which are just kind of annoying to me. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I mean, I, I just I think like you said, it when, once they got universal umpires and once they started interleague play, there was really, there's no reason to continue with, with, uh, you know, having one, one team or one league with the pitchers hit. Now it's fun to watch pitchers like hit a home run. That's always fun, but it doesn't happen enough to like justify it. 
And the one other thing, I always thought it would be fun to do the opposite. So, like, when a National League team comes into your American League stadium, then you hit with your pitcher just because fans never get to see it. But they never did that, so who cares? Just give me the, the DH all the time, and it's fine. Yeah, I mean, it, at the same time, too, it does put some teams in a kind of a predicament right now heading into the season where, like, that's why I suggested that whole Miguel, Miguel Cabrera being traded I know I got a lot of crap for it, but I, I just thought that for a team like the Giants, for example, the Giants have, they could use another bopper in their lineup, and I'm surprised they haven't signed Puig yet with that in mind. But still, I think that even with a guy like Max Scherzer, there's so many, there's so many good, there's so many good pitchers in the NL right now that, yeah, you don't want to see a, like you mentioned earlier, Trevor, about Clifford about Jimmy Nelson's career clearly being different. Can, can you imagine if the D, I mean, who would it be right now? Where the Brewers would be right now? if Nelson never had that happen to him. So, no, it, it's a lot to factor in. I think uh, another thing that, that uh, I don't know, it, this is a secondary minor thing, but it also opens the door for more two-way players because you're really not going to want to put your, you, you know, one of your pitchers, if he's good enough to be a pitcher, you're not going to want to throw him in the outfield that often. So, you know, that's why Otani's a DH most, most of the time, if not all the time, if he's not pitching. Um, so, I think that's going to be interesting too, because we are seeing all these athletes. I mean, can do just so many things. I know the Cardinals just drafted uh, Mason Wynn, who's a legitimate two-way threat. Um, so it's. Uh, I think that's going to be another interesting component too. I think we might see more, or at least it might open the door for the opportunity for more two-way players. Yeah, and finally the Cubs can figure out what the hell they're going to do with Kyle Schwarber. I mean, <laughs> you know, yeah. like this. This is like the guy is built for i mean and not to sound rude or anything but he's built to be a dh so it's uh it, it does give that kind of element and it gives the guys also another couple of years and if they're comfortable in terms of roster adjustment too like sometimes you see these players might have to go to the american league the extent of their career but they can stay in the national league now so that, that gives that a lot of that flexibility so is gonna play forever <laughs> It's only for this year, right? Originally, um, it was going to be for next the next year too, correct? Yeah, that's what I. I think it's just yeah, it's just it's just for this year, I believe. Yeah, it's so funny to look at this, uh, like all this stuff that the the players and owners were proposing. There seems to be very little regard for the actual game itself. It's all about what they can use as a bargaining chip for the next CBA. So players want the universal DH. Owners know that. Owners were offering it to them to basically, you know, hey, 15 more guys get jobs, whatever. But because the players didn't accept the deal, they said, no, no, okay, we won't have it next year either. So you're going to have to, the next CBA, you're going to have to give us something to get the universal DH. So it's, yeah, it's, I don't know. It's annoying to know that they're not really thinking about the game so no. much as thinking about the future negotiations. Not to mention, too, I mean, look at pitchers struck out 43% of the time last year. So yeah, if they're if they're using That's Jake Rogers, <laughs> that is definitely Jake Rogers' strikeout percentage. <laughs> and uh, speaking of the Tigers, do you see the Tigers making a trade at the deadline, Chris? I'll start with you on this. Uh, hmm. Maybe trading somebody away. Yeah, like I could see them. I could see a team going after like a Buck Farmer or something a solid seventh inning reliever maybe just to bolster their bullpen but nothing nothing huge like i don't think i don't picture them moving boyd or fulmer or norris and i don't picture them 
going out and buying anybody. No. So, so yeah, I, I, I think there'll be something small, but that's it. What about you, Trevor? Do you think the Tigers are going to make some sort of transaction? I'm just going to say flat out no, and I'm going to add it on the end of it. Get me uh, Brandon Marsh. That's all I got. <laughs> I don't think they will, but I would love for them to to get Brandon Marsh from the Angels. If that was a legitimate, if there's a lot of smoke there for like a week, if that's real, I would love it. <laughs> you know what? That if, if you're you and I are both on the Brian Packer Brandon Marsh uh, trade, or excuse me, the Brandon Marsh. We love Brian uh, Brian Packer. Brian tra- Packer. Yeah. Uh, movement there, so yeah, Brand, that was I think Brandon Dave from Bless You Boys talked about that whole Brandon Marsh thing. And after I saw the numbers and I looked at him, like, you know what, I can get behind that. So, um, yeah, we're card carrying members of the Brian Packard thing, which we'll we'll get to a little bit too. And the last question too, before we get to the next topic, is how long do you see the labor piece lasting? Because next year was the collective bargaining agreement was going to end, so this seems like it's just a kumbaya for a moment to get things going. But Trevor. This seems like this is to be, it's just, I think it's going to get uglier from here. My, that's what I think. But what about you? Yeah, I see it lasting about 20, 30 minutes. Um, I think that uh, they're probably already calling each other yelling. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe this whole thing is just made me pessimistic, but I don't, I just don't see it lasting long. And I think that uh, it's only going to be worse once the, uh, we got something done kind of wears off. What about you, Chris? Yeah, I'm actually slightly optimistic here because I, I this was such a, a strange circumstance for you know players trying to get as much money as possible and owners trying to keep as much money as possible. It, it, you know, obviously that's the goal of every negotiation. This one was just so unusual, and I feel like I'm trying to think like you know what 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 do the sides really want from their next CBA? And I think you know there's there's a talk with the international draft and maybe trading draft picks but i'm trying to think you know what else i mean players probably want a larger share of the money <laughs> i'm sure they'll ask for it and owners will be like yeah no <laughs> and i don't know what else is going to happen but I, I like i'm not entirely sure what the giant uh roadblocks will be i am sure there will be some uh and we've talked about you know the free agency two years ago was just dead and it seemed like there was something going on there owners were kind of flexing their muscles but I mean, I don't know. I we had this this kind of horrible impasse this year, but I I don't know what the major stumbling blocks will be for the next CBA. I mean, I'm sure it'll be long and protected and ugly, but I feel like they'll get it done. Yeah, I mean, would I would hope that they would learn their lesson from what this past couple months have been. But I just the owner seems so stubborn about the whole thing, and, and Rob Manfield is out there with the bad PR and. I think the players want to play and just play without some sort of issue. It's not like it was at the, to me, at least in my opinion, like in 1994 where the players were kind of steadfast about no matter what, just there's, I think there's two sides of the or two camps in which for the one side of the players versus another, but the owners definitely try to exploit that too before. So, and that's my biggest fear that that might happen again. Yeah, and I feel like one of the biggest issues is going to be the continuing, like the the idea of service time, and manipulating service clocks and stuff. But it's going to again be one of those issues where that affects mostly younger players, and and maybe the guys who aren't even in the majors yet. And we've seen over and over what the players, <laughs> how hard the players are willing to fight for guys like that. 
So I feel like they'll propose something like that and be happy to give it up in order to get, you know, I don't know, more sweets or I, I, you know, I hate to be so cynical about it, but I really do think that the players have established a long pattern of, of not caring about the young guys having to deal with what they dealt with. Yeah. Cause I kind of forgot where their roots are from. So, uh, yeah. it's yeah that's gonna be an interesting component going forward too because there's gonna be a lot of young players coming up that are really gonna be impactful I mean, you only talk about the Juan Soto's in the world versus kind of like the older guard so we'll see what happens so the, the announced today that Lynn Henning announced today that the Tigers did come to an agreement with Spencer Torkelson that's gonna announce that on Monday also with uh second round or the uh, second round um Comp B pick, uh, Daniel Cabrera. They've come to an agreement with just just a little bit above slot for that. So you have that, and the Tigers look like they have everything in fold. Saw Baseball America today that Spencer Trokelson comes in at number 11 with three Tigers in the top 20, which is the first time in team history that's happened, so that's really good. But how do you I mean? I'll, I know how Chris feels about the draft, but Trevor, how, how, how optimistic are you about this draft? And do you feel like they've strengthened their team quite a bit with this, with these six players? Oh, I love this draft so much. Um, I came in to the draft thinking that I knew two things for sure. One is that they, they would take Spencer Torkelson. And the other is that the Tigers were going to end up with Casey Martin, which is not the worst thing that could have ever happened. I just would not have liked it even a little bit, but he seemed like a very Tigers player, you know, and yeah. I, I you know doing all this draft prep, I saw him and I'm like, Oh God, this is who the Tigers are going to take. <laughs> They're going to take him early. They might take him over Torkelson. I don't know. No, but, uh, um, and so I was kind of happy when they didn't, cause I knew they also, you know, the word, the word is that they wanted a shortstop. So I was wondering where they were going to get that. Um, but before I, I jump into the shortstop thing more, I just, I can't believe how well they did. They just kind of sat back and waited and said, okay, well, who's going to, you know, who's going to fall to us. Um, so outside of Torkelson, you get Dingler who, I mean, probably is a top 25 pick, I would I would think. Um, and then you get Cabrera, who's the guy I wanted at 38. Um, so to get him at uh, 62 was just amazing. And then, you know, uh, Workman, um, Keith and uh, and Cruz, uh, it just it's just such a good draft. I, I don't know. There's nothing else you could say about it. I, I really love what they did. Um, they brought in an influx of bats, which is something that they needed. And it wasn't just bats with high upside. They did take high upside, but you also have some uh, bats who could be considered fairly safe um, with, you know, Torkelson, obviously. And uh, Cabrera is the other like safe bat in my mind, uh, quote unquote. I mean, he's still a prospect and to call a prospect safe is just utterly ridiculous. But, uh, you know, in terms of what a prospect can be, um, I really like his chances to become an MLB contributor. Um, so I, I was really happy with that. And, and for the shortstop thing, they did take uh, uh, Trey Cruz. Um, it's Cruz, right? For some reason, I, I'm. Oh, yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, no, you're right. yeah Trey yeah. Cruz. Okay, mm-hmm. thank you. I was having a moment where I was, I thought I was wrong. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, they did bring in Trey Cruz. I see him more as a second baseman. I think that Gage Workman's the shortstop from this draft. Um, you know, he's just very good defensively. If you want to keep Torkelson at third, go ahead, whatever. But I, I think that eventually we'll see Workman slide over to the shortstop position and hopefully he's back and come around too. You know, and one of the things too, Chris, that, that I wanted to bring up with you tonight too, about this, the, the draft. And I was, I was thinking about this and, and Trevor brought up the whole workman angle too. 
is that, you know, when I thought of Casey Martin, I thought of whatever reason I thought of Danny Worth, the shortstop, like that kind of like college shortstop, the, the, the Danny Worth of the world. And a lot of these bats, too, one of the things that Chris and I have talked about before is, and Trevor, let me ask this question. Do you think because some of these bats are so polished and the Tigers, let's let's not kid ourselves here, in terms of developing, they've done a really good job developing pitchers. They've been getting some really good praise around the league about that. In terms of hitters, it's a different story because you look at Jake Rogers, who had to go elsewhere to develop his swing. Same thing with Jacoby Jones, where you talk about, and, and, and Jules Posner uh, from Forbes did a really good job of breaking down his swing. And this is something you probably saw in film study too. They're getting help elsewhere. Not like, that's not Lloyd McClellan doing his magic or any, the, you know, quote unquote magic. So a lot of these bats seem like they come with a lot of polish and upside. So before you answer, Chris, I mean, Trevor, does that, that play up that has to play a role with this, right? In terms of like, just, you see Torkelson, he's a polished bat. He's ready to go. Workman still has some work to do. He's, he did strike out quite a bit, but Cruz, Cabrera, Dingler, all were in. Uh, I'm trying to think of the drawing a blank on another one. Okay, Keith. Uh, Keith, thank you, Keith. All showed really good plate discipline. They showed good patience at the plate. So, I mean, Keith is still yet to be determined about being a free swinger or what have you. But he did show some patience. But that has that has to play a role with this draft, correct? Absolutely. Um, you know, you can run out and grab a bunch of prep guys and hope you can develop them. And, you know, I still have high hopes on Riley Green. Don't get me wrong. But if you're going to if you're the Tigers and you don't have the best reputation of developing bats, then, yeah, I mean, you take Torkelson. It, I hate to phrase it like this. I really do. But it's just like it's kind of like, uh, you know, you get the Ferrari and you just don't want to wreck it, <laughs> you know. And that's, so so getting, uh, you know, a guy like Torkelson, who's. Uh, just such a a good hitter. I mean, you you just keep your hands off unless you need to. I mean, let's not pretend that you know you can't find stories of of other players going elsewhere to to help fix their swing. I mean that 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 does happen. It's not like the tiger. You know, people come to the Tigers and go, oh, nope, I'm gonna go somewhere else. You know, that that happens all over the place. But no, I do think that the polish plays into how good this class was. Um, but again, I mean it. it they just waited. I can't believe they waited on some of these guys because that just is so out of their character. Um, and to get an athlete like Dingler, who um, is another option, honestly, a catcher, by the way, that we didn't talk about earlier when we were talking about building that roster. But, um, you know, I, his bat to me still has a little way to go. Workman still has a little way to go. I think Torkelson and Cabrera are going to be the two quickest risers offensively, or at least the two easiest adjustments, um, you know, just based on what I've seen which uh, we can get into later about how reliable that might be. But with, you know, with the other guys, there's still some work to be done. Um, There's work to be done with all of them, but uh, I I think the polish does. I mean, it's just so nice to have the polish. And also Jacoby Jones was my connection to Casey Martin. When I saw him, I'm like, this is Jacoby Jones. We're just going to have two of them. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. He's, he's tooled up kid. Uh, But you know, the number one tool you need to play baseball, not so much. But yeah, you know, it's, it's, I go back and forth a little bit because it, it certainly on the, the surface, it was a good draft. Um, but I think we always, as fans and, and people who follow prospects in the draft in general, we always kind of get a little bit overhyped about uh, just like we'll, we'll see rankings and be like, hey, like, like we said, the Tigers have five top 100 prospects. That doesn't necessarily mean anything at all. 
and getting a really good draft, you know, they're, they're usually only about 30 or 40 players from each draft who actually go on and have like one average season in the majors. So, but what the Tigers definitely did, which is somewhat unusual for them is give them, uh, give themselves a, a really good chance to get a couple average major leaguers or better. Uh, and, and like, I think you guys pointed out both, it, it's, there's a mix of polish there and upside and, and with, you know, Cabrera, if he doesn't hit, there's probably not much there, but most people think he'll hit pretty good. Uh, Torque's got the upside, but those other guys, you know, Dingler, Workman, Keith, Cruz, they all have well-rounded games. It's not just, uh, you know, Cruz is, is more of like a jack of all trades, but the other three guys could be above average defenders and they all have a little bit of speed. And so it, it's like, you know, they've given themselves a lot of chances here to succeed. It's not quite, you, know, you look back at uh, recent drafts, you know, um, Nick Quintana, the second, uh, second pick last year, uh, you know, he's kind of maxed out physically. He needs to hit for power and he needs to stick at third base to be good. Uh, it, there's not really much room for error there. He's not a runner. He's not, uh, there's not a whole lot else in this game. And uh, you know, go back to, I don't know, I remember like Tyler Alexander when they took him in the second round out of nowhere. Oh, now, yeah. To their credit, he has made it to majors, but that was just like, like this is a guy whose ceiling is like a number five starter. And, and they've given themselves a chance to get, you know, you've got six, six chances here to get at least average regulars. And so I think they did a really good job there. Well, you know, obviously time will tell, but uh, they've given themselves more, more, more scratches at the lottery ticket, if you will. Yeah. And, and I think this, this is a conversation I've had a few times with people, um, you know, on Twitter mostly, but I think there's two times to evaluate a draft and, and you know, when, how did they draft in the moment and then how did it turn out? Um, and obviously the, how did it turn out? You have to wait a while, but, um, in terms of how did they do, I mean, this, I don't know how much better the draft could have gone. Um, and that is with the caveat of not everybody's going to make the majors and, and be what they're, you know, what they could be. But when you're looking at, at the guys they're bringing in, you're just trying to get yourself a chance with the draft, like you said, and, and they did. Um, so I think that if you're to me, if I'm looking at the first grade for this draft, I mean, it's, it's just fantastic. We'll see what happens, you know, in 10 years when you look back at this draft. Yeah. Especially. Yeah. It was say now, now comes the hard part. Right. <laughs> As you know, the one thing that you want, the, the one thing I want among the, the last couple of draft classes too, is that some actual development from a positional standpoint, you're talking, years since you've seen i mean curtis granderson brandon inch you know nick cassianos comes to mind too as well but there's not a lot of like terms of draft prospects that have come out from a positional side of things for the tigers in the last decade i mean you was it the 2016 draft class is a wash there was a 2015 i can't remember which one it's just like barely hanging on a third right uh -huh. now i mean the burroughs draft is still I mean, he's, I think he's the only yeah, one left. So 16 is, is Burroughs and um, Stewart, right? Stewart. Uh, and then what was 15 was Hill. Yeah. And Turnbull. And 17 is Fido and uh, uh, Rivera and McMillan. Hey, you know, they've done better. Yeah. Well, you know, and that's, you should read through those. That's why it's so exciting what happened this year. I mean, I know they've yeah. done fairly well in the last few years, but but just reading off that, it's like, there hasn't we haven't been able to be excited about a Tigers draft in a while. It seems like I mean, yeah, you get Mize and uh, you know you draft Bryant Packard and 
I'm just going to throw his name out there as many times as possible, by the way, you, you know, edit out what you need to, but uh, you know, you shameless get, plugs. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You, you, but you, you know, you get guys that you're excited about. Sure. But uh, overall, I don't know that you can look at a class and, and think that even though it's shortened at only six guys, I, it, this is a strong class at the time of draft. And, and recently that's not something that I, I would be confident saying even at the time of the draft. Yeah. I mean, even I was excited about uh, after I saw Andre uh, Lipkis last year, I thought he was a lot better than what the draft report saw and saw him in, in West Michigan. And even the adjustments he made from a quick period, short period of time from Tennessee to here showed. So there there's that kind of development on that side of things for, for the Tigers watching the Tigers as much as I have in the last five, you know, last decade or so. It is nice to see, especially on a lower level where he should be feasting on West Michigan pitching or excuse me, uh, Midwest league pitching. And that's what he did. And that kind of foregone conclusion versus, well, you know, he's, is he Ray Rivera hitting 198 West Michigan? That's just uh, for second round draft. That's just a terrible, terrible take. So, I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's just bad progress, but moving on to when I get to your film study. So Trevor, uh, I, we're just gonna talk the international period, but that, we'll get we can get back to that. If not, it's it's okay because that's those some of that that ranking can go. We could probably go on for about a while for about that. But the the film study film study Friday. What is your approach to it, and what is it in terms of how you approach it versus something along the lines when you go go check out a game, your mindset. What's the difference? The subtle differences between the two. What I'm looking for, really. Um... You know, in Film Study Friday, admittedly, it's just it's just people who drafted these guys in deep fantasy leagues, and they want to know, well, what can I think about? So, um, and, and I, you know, it all started just because I I love watching minor league baseball. I enjoy seeing the film, um, and, and you know, I started doing this on my own and making my own notes, and I thought, well, maybe other people might want to, um, you know, see that. So I tried it and. Um, the thing is, you know, with the film study Friday, that's, you know, two, three swings of a player. And <laughs> it's just so minute that I, I'm trying to catch the big things, um, you know, so bat speed, if I can, um, for, for pitchers, I want to see, you know, does this one thing move? How does it move? What's their, you know, um, mechanically, if I can pick something up, it's kind of hard, uh, you know. It's kind of hard just getting one angle if I'm doing an MLB TV or if I can get a couple angles. But for the most part, Film Study Friday is just the big things. W- what is this going to say about it? Does he have bad speed? Does he have a little bit of loft You know, in the uppercut and the swing? Okay, maybe he's got a little bit of raw power to tap into, even if the numbers don't say that. Um, when I go watch a game live, uh, the best example I have is uh, Delvin Perez. Uh, I saw him in Peoria. And he's, he's, his hitting is just, I mean, bad. There's no other way to, you know, there's no way around that. But what you don't really get to see when you're just looking at those small things is his defense. He's so fun to watch with a glove on his hand. Um, when he's on the bases, he uses his speed as well as anybody I've ever seen. Um, so there's some things like that, but, uh, you know, so if I'm just looking for that minute stuff, it's the big things. Or even if I'm watching film um, and I'm doing a deep dive, I was, I was doing one for uh, Hugh Smith for bless you boys a while back. Um, that's when I can kind of look at the smaller things uh, with Hugh Smith. One of the things, I mean, I love Hugh Smith. Absolutely. But one of the things I noticed is that uh, in, in the starts I watched is that he was 
spotting up pretty well uh, arm side with all of his pitches. But when he had to go to the uh, other side of the plate, uh, would be inside to a lefty, it, it, that fell off. And, you know, that's not something I think that most people would notice if they're just watching. They're, they're just seeing this big, tall, gangly guy throw a baseball. And, um, but I just, you know, if, if it needs to be quick, you look for the big things. And what does that generally mean? Try to profile it. If not, profiles kind of suck sometimes. And I like to look at the player and what they're what they're bringing. Yeah, and the more, for example, something is on the lines of like watching David McKay pitch last year in Toledo. They're like the, the slurve slider, like the grip, and just kind of seeing how that, like just breaking it down in slow motion because I've, I was able to record it slow motion, which was kind of, see, I love when Pitching Ninja can do that too. And watching it live, you, you kind of almost missed the, it's good to get to all the details. And, and Chris and I had like a divide and conquer approach where Chris would say, hey, you look at this, I'll look at that in person. But when you're sitting in front of your computer, you can kind of slow it down. I wish I wish there's sometimes YouTube had, did have like a ability to take regular video and slow it down a little more. But it's all good. You can pick it apart. And for pitchers, I think hitters to me, it's still t- it's taking me some time to do hitters. But pitchers seem like it's kind of like you can take the a quarter or three quarter slot angle, or depending on how they're. You can even see how when they're planting the foot. Like for example, Tampa Bay making an adjustment for Drew Smiley going through Fernando Rodney too as well. Simple mechanical changes. And it just one little thing could just blow your mind. Like, wow, you even think about that. And so I don't, Chris, I mean, do you find yourself seeing something before when you're watching something on YouTube or during a live game, you're like, wow. And it just kind of like, it's so subtle. You, you, you just, it's, you can't believe the difference. Well, you know, I mean, I, I, I'm a believer in the idea that, that like there's no substitute for, seeing players live uh, in terms of you just get to get the whole picture and see what's going on and stuff like that. But that's also only if you have the skills to, to notice all that. And I don't really, I mean, I'm not one of those, you know, evaluators or scouts. And so I think the next best thing is watching video. And I think you can actually learn a ton from watching video, even just, you know, anybody who watches Tigers games, you know, if you watch enough of them, you'll pick up things, pick up like, Hey, you know, Candelario can't hit that slider under his hands. The same thing happens if you watch enough minor league games. You you pick up on these players' flaws, and it's vastly superior than to just read scouting reports from other people. Uh, if you you know if you trust your eyes, so I don't know. It's something that I I you know I would like to do more. It's just sometimes uh, it it'll you know this year I don't know how much video we'll get of prospects, um, but you know sometimes it can just get kind of overwhelming because you've got the major league games, and then there's you know in the summer there's nine different minor league teams and five of them have video you can watch and there's just so many players, but it is, it's a useful exercise, I think. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's also too, when you see the progress of the player from uh, eventually, like it just from a, from a rookie stamp from even from like just the minor league standpoint, just seeing like Lipicus last year, just that quick adjustment makes a, it makes a big difference. And I, I don't know, like I, I love now. I mean, we were, we, were, we had the radar gun we had the little mini radar gun. And we had the little stopwatch thing. I felt like, and some like, like some of the players were sitting there, like looking at us, like, "What the hell are these guys doing?" But it was still, it was still a lot of fun. Um, I mean, it's enough for our purposes. We don't need a fifteen hundred dollars stalker or whatever. We're just getting a, a general feel of the radar and and how close the stadium gun is, and yeah, stopwatches, getting guys times down to first base and stuff. 
it's good enough for our purposes, I think. Yeah. And you know what? I, I wish I could make it out to more games. I, I'm in an area where I can go to Peoria, and that's that's about it. So yeah. I can catch some uh, Midwest League games. So that kind of hurts too. So that's why uh, one of the other reasons I did Film Study Friday is so I could get better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to be completely honest, I mean, I always you you know I I do this. I don't even think I'm relatively good compared to many of the people that you could talk to on the internet about this. And so, uh, and, um, you know, the, re- one of the reasons that I really le- enjoyed doing this is I was writing for the, uh, uh, writing for a Padre site and I was looking into Hudson Potts and, you know, mm-hmm. he had a, he had a really great second half, um, or at least a better second half and a, a really bad first half. And so I looked at his swing and, and you can see him, I found as uh, you know, look through games at the beginning end of the season. I found pitches that were relatively in the same spot. You can see him leaning out over the plate. Uh, not something I would pick up if I was watching him in person. I can tell you that right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but being able to stop the video on a pitch, you know, most of the pitches were, you know, middle out, middle in center cut. I mean, they were relatively in the same area and you could just see him kind of leaning out over. And in the end of the season, he was, he was backed off a little bit more. And that's just one of the adjustments you pick up and, um, I mean, I don't know why I was able to see that, but I'm glad I was because it's kind of what catapulted all this to happen. And um, no, watching video has it definitely has its uses. Um, but of course, I absolutely you got to see it in game because there's so much stuff that you don't pick up. You're only picking up what the camera's letting you pick up. Um, another example is uh, Daz Cameron. When he got called up to Toledo, I was talking to uh, at the time he was a scout for the uh, Toronto Blue Jays, and uh, it was a rain delay. So I had a little bit extra time to talk to him. We were just talking and he goes, when this starts, this is Daz Cameron's first game. He goes, when this starts, watch Daz Cameron defensively. When a ball gets hit, his defensive instincts are, I mean, bar none, he's moving as soon as, you know, the swing starts, maybe even before there's contact made, it's ridiculous how he can get a good jump just because he sees that you're not picking that up on, on a, on a video, unless you have a video of just watching him play defense, which is, I mean, almost yeah. never going to happen. Same thing watching yeah, Riley Green. Yeah, uh, Riley Green last year, Chris. Remember when we watched him play and just seeing, like, just kind of, like, him moving around in the outfield, even having, like, just a, the way he was angled on the bat, angling himself each and every time. Yeah, I mean, he, he's a guy whose instincts, I think, let him play center field last year. I, I, I don't know if it will continue. If he, You know, he's probably going to get bigger and stronger. But, yeah, I, mean, I was positive. Uh, came away pleased with his, his instincts on defense. Same with Andre Lipsius. Um, you mentioned, you know, he was a guy who I, I thought was so uh, such a poor defender that he would, might have to move to first base, but he was out there handling shortstop just fine and low ball, low ball. I mean, it's not a major league thing, but yes, yeah, stuff like that you, you you can't catch on video. But again, you can watch video beforehand and pick up on some cues and then go to the live game and watch for it. I mean, it, I think they work to really well together. And I think, I think, uh, you know, a lot of major league scouts are learning that this year having to had had to uh you know scouting departments having to pour over video for the draft I, i'm sure that they've picked up on a lot of things like hey you know this this is actually uh this is pretty helpful but uh you know there there are uh, a lot of different ways to learn about baseball and, and the resources are out there which is great so and the thing is that you're going to see something different than somebody else does i mean there's a reason that people are higher or lower on people there's a reason that i'm uh, usually the high guy on Brian Packard and other people are not. I mean, yeah, uh, you're going to see something different and uh, that's really good. Um, and, and that's kind of, if, 
and I'm kind of just speaking to people who might want to start watching more video, but think that they don't know what they're talking about. I mean, what I've done to, to help teach myself at home is I'll watch the video. I'll make my notes. This is what I see. Uh, this is what I think it translates into. And then you can go read three or four scouting reports on the guy and they'll tell you what they see, what they think it leads, you know, what it leads into. And, and then you can, you know, read it. You're like, Oh, I think, yeah. I, you know, you go back and watch again. I see that. That's yeah, absolutely. So that's kind of uh, how I've, at home without talking to anybody, just kind of developed, uh, whatever I, whatever level I, you think I might have, I appreciate that anybody wants to know my opinion. So, but, uh, you know, it's just, uh, a cool thing that I think that you can see so many different things. And a lot of it comes down to bias really. I mean, I, I know my biases so far, um, as a, as a guy who watches the video, if you have a compact swing, I'm, I will sing your praises so much more over a long swing. And I just know that even though a long swing isn't necessarily, it isn't necessarily bad. <laughs> so, uh, that's, that's just, there's just so many different things you can see and, you know, feel about it. And that's, what's really great about being able to watch the video and being able to do the evaluations. Yeah. And, and I think something I struggle with, cause we don't get out to many minor league games either. Just, it, it's about an hour and 40 minutes for, from me to get to West Michigan. Now, if he could somehow move to Lansing, that'd be all right. Um, and Toledo's about, I don't know, an hour and 10 minutes. It's closer for Roger. Toledo's closer, and obviously West Michigan's farther away. But, yeah, and then that's one of the things. I, I struggle with uh, making judgments based on small samples. Like, we, we saw Zach Hest's, uh, probably his worst out of the season. And so I have to fight the urge to go, hey, he's no good. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's, it's, a- just, it's just one of those things. Like, and we also, we, we saw Nick Quintana go 0 for 4 with four strikeouts. And that was kind of emblematic of his entire season there with West Michigan. But it was like, you know, if that's the only look you have of him, what, what can you come away with? The, the video can help you supplement that. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, one of the more recent uh, film study guys that, that I did uh, for the Tigers was uh, uh, Perez, Wencio Perez. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm coming out with my hot take that I think he should abandon hitting uh, I think it was righty and just swing lefty. Cause yeah. I think the lefty swing is just about a billion times better than the righty swing. I watched three games worth of swings, I think. So, I mean, it's hard for me to just, you know, say that for real, but in the, you know, you, you just have to be aware of the small sample sizes. I think where I'm still probably going to tell people, I think that, but I will always hundred percent add the caveat of small sample size. I mean, yeah. And I, I don't know for real. And I will I will add to that. I will say this, that like for, for myself to say, hey, this is just a, quote, amateur scouting point of view. But like I agree with you on Winsteel Perez because when it's, he it looks like he has a hard time squaring up on the right-hand side where he doesn't generate as much barrel through the zone, comparatively speaking, on the left-hand side. Um that and like where he passes the duchy. <laughs> Pass the duchy. Okay. Uh, oh, that's it's far too far too old of a reference. Yeah, I know. Trevor's <laughs> just like, what the hell are you guys talking about? With the obscure, the, the the there's an obscure all Jamaican boy band from the early 1980 that did like a song called "Pass the Duchy." If you get a chance, look that up. It's a uh, quite the yeah. reference. But uh, no, and and that's something like even for example, like Quintana looked to me looked like he was overwhelmed. But then, you know, people were like, "Well, maybe he was just tired from the season in Arizona." And I'm like, I backed off a little bit about that. But then, you see something like uh, Sam McMillan. McMillan, same thing. Like he can, he has a good eye at the plate, but cannot he can get the barrel on it, but he just can't generate a lot of power through the zone. So, what do you make of Sam McMillan? He's going to be great defensively, but. If he's going to have a great walkway, awesome. But if he can't hit, it's just too bad, you know? So 
it's just, it's just going to be a thing. And the one, one of the last things I want to talk about is the pictures, picturelist.com is a beautiful visually site. And that's something that I'm not sure it is. I, it's one of those sites that just, it's breathtaking in terms of the graphics. Um, I, I love every time you guys do a, I watched a little bit of the conference. Then I watched too much of it. I was intrigued by it because I'm not, I'm when it comes to fantasy, I'm just a little old school, just kind of like I, I don't write about it. I just I kind of just talk or just I just play it essentially. But the site is so like the MLB agreement. Like I have a the site pulled up here. That graphic's amazing, but all the, the information that comes out and the the podcast and just the whole layout's been phenomenal. And and Trevor, talk about that the whole experience working there and just it's it, the site's going in a lot of different directions and it's it's just a very very good source for fantasy baseball players out there yeah absolutely and, and you know what i'm not the necessarily the biggest fantasy guy either i just like prospects and that kind of goes hand in hand because you're not really going to get one without the other so um i and and so i've kind of been getting into fantasy a lot more this year um i know that i used you know, uh, Nick Pollock, the founder of Pitcher List, he creates a list of 100 pitchers. I used that religiously for about a year. And then the, I saw Pitcher List was looking for writers. I'm like, oh, I could write there, uh, maybe. So, you know, I throw my hat in the ring. They they hired me to write for their dynasty team. Um, so I'm focusing on prospects, which is fantastic. And um, I realized that I really would not use Nick's list of a hundred pitchers at all as a fantasy baseball <laughs> player personally. Um, and it's not cause he's not smart. Nick is absolutely very smart. Uh, but he and I have completely different fantasy strategies, which is just super interesting. Um, but, uh, you know, and he and I talk all the time and that's, that's one of the reasons I like it there so much is that I get to have these conversations and, um, you know, it, I'm not very, I'm not as, analytically inclined as I probably should be for all these places I write. I just like watching the game, telling you what I see. Um, and Nick is very analytically inclined. And so is the rest of the pitcher of the staff. And it's just been fantastic. Um, he's collected a lot of really smart writers and a uh, really great graphic design team, as you can tell. And uh, I love that. It's all about being able to see, um, the pitcher. I mean, if you go to pitcher list and you type in a player into the corner, you can pull up a, you know, you pull up a pitcher and you can see a gif of each one of their pitches, uh, that registered. Um, so that, that's just a really cool thing. And, um, I don't, I don't know, man, Nick just keeps trying to grow the site, make it more. Um, I was fortunate enough to be on their, uh, podcasts last week. Uh, they do a really good job. He and, uh, Alex fast as a pitcher list guy. Alex fast was just on ESPN to talk KBO baseball. So, um, it's just a really cool place uh you know the talk fantasy um you, the the deep dives there are next level stuff that i would never think of because they'll deep dive into not even a pitcher they'll just deep dive into his repertoire i mean you, you'll you know they'll um dakota hudson's an example i was a big dakota hudson fan i talked to nick at length about him and dove into his repertoire about how oh you know you uh, throw less sliders and increase the sinker. I think it was less sinkers and more, you know, and, uh, uh, throws cutter more often or something like that. And it's, it's really cool place. And PitchCon you mentioned, um, is a really cool thing that Nick wanted to do. He, uh, you know, he's, he sent half the proceeds to shit, uh, to charity. I had the coolest, one of the coolest experiences of my life there for real. Um, I did a panel where I was talking to, uh, Alex Fayetto, Tariq Skubal, and uh, Daniel Lynch from the Royals. Uh, the other two, obviously, Tigers, I'm assuming, 
I didn't have to say that, but I will. <laughs> um, but uh, it's just a really great experience to talk to them and get their mindset on it. And I'll tell you what, if you want to talk about pitching development for the Tigers, it seems like they're heading in the right direction based on what Scooball and Fido were saying. So, um, you know, Nick's got a vision and it's, it's ever evolving. I mean, every year he releases another one. It's 5.0 this year. Next year we'll have 6.0 and it's going to have even more goodies. So it's, it's a, a really cool place to pay attention to, especially if you're into fantasy baseball. Yeah. And they're in, I thought that Chelsea's article about the league just describing what's going on was, was great. And she's, she was on last week with us and no, and I'm, I'm with I you. Feel, I feel bad for Chelsea, man. Cause, cause uh, she writes at pitcher list with me now and she writes at uh, prospects live with me. I, she just, you know, I, I met her on the, you know, via Twitter a few months back and all of a sudden she's got to deal with me on two different sites now, but you know, what are you going to do? Yeah. <laughs> she, we were going to do the video side of things. But we were having Skype issues last week, but the, no, it's, for me, I, I approach the game the same way. I'm I'm getting more in the analytics. Thanks to Chris and and just kind of like a, a I watched the game. I've been a, a, just a, like just when I say a couple of years ago, I was like, oh, there's, there's, I have a good feeling about Matt Boyd. Why is that? And it's almost like a Jim Leland approach. Like it's just because I feel like his stuff is gonna end up being better than Daniel Norris. And I that I have a lot of data to prove it. No, but when I started looking into it, I it, I started putting into it. It's the same thing with. Trey Cruz. It was like when I, first of all, I screamed and yelled. I was telling Chris about this last week that they got the Tigers got, because I predicted that the Tigers would draft him because he just seems like the Tigers are, if you look at just common history recently, they've been drafting guys with pedigrees, with bloodlines. And so it just all makes sense. And sometimes all the analytics in the world help. But then if you just use kind of like just a detective, it's almost like, okay, Tigers have a type. You're waiting for the Tigers to pick a six foot five reliever at some point and it didn't happen. Um, so I didn't take Luke little. I was so surprised. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, a, that was a under, uh, that was a, uh, that was a good pick too. Um, so Chicago. But, yeah. Chicago. I was gonna say the, the Cubs, the, the Cubs needed a, a kind of like a picture like that, but Chris, any final thoughts on, uh, no, you mean, I just, uh, yeah, the site is obviously really, really cool. I go back and forth with fantasy. Sometimes I, I kind of equate it to, gambling um not in a bad way i'm just i'm not much of a gambler but i do love uh, playing fantasy baseball but i've never really done it for money uh and and it's how i got into prospects way back in about 2003 2004 um and so i i'm thankful for that but then i just kind of drifted more towards prospects like trevor was saying like I, yeah I'm, i just like prospects uh, and it's one of those things like really good fantasy you'll learn because they're watching you know they're they're watching the dsl <laughs> as much as they can keep track of stuff like that but you also you'll sometimes you'll find fantasy people who sometimes i wonder if they even actually care about the game as much or if they just care about like winning because you'll you'll hear people who like will consistently mispronounce players names and you could tell like they've never actually watched this player play they're just read everything there is about them on, online um but you know i think that i, I don't want to suggest that the picture list is like that i was just saying you know i i the fantasy world can sometimes be a little iffy for me, but uh, yeah, I mean, this is obviously a cool resource. Yeah. I mean, it, it is one of those websites too, that I, I like the fact that it's kind of, it doesn't feel inclusive, you know, and there's a lot of these websites with some of these um, fantasy, you know, the gurus, whatever, some of these experts kind of get snobby about it. And I don't, I've never gotten that vibe from anybody that's worked there. 
and are encountered on Twitter. So I think that that part's cool. I, I don't understand why people got to be snotty dicks about you know fantasy or, or <laughs> draft experts. It's I think it's no. that, that whole that whole crap thing is ridiculous. Like, well, I was right about this guy, and, 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 and these quote called quote unquote experts. I just I, I get a little irritated with that. So I I like I mean the thing is there that. Uh, you know, there is a, for those who don't know, because I definitely didn't before I started writing, that there is a opportunity for you to pay to be in the um, pitcherless community where it's just the writers and then other people in the pitcherless community. There's a ton of, it's all on Discord. There's a ton of channels to go through. Um, but for everything, all the uh, all the staff, even, you know, Nick Pollock, um, who's, you know, who's the, uh, the head of the site. And it's always, I like this guy. Here's why. And nobody's like, well, that's just dumb. Unless I'm making yeah. a joke, then they'll say yeah. that's dumb. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it's always here's he, you have your opinion. But why? You know, I come in and say, I like Dakota Hudson. Well, why? I didn't have a good answer, but I tried my best. <laughs> and then I got talked out of it. And then he's on the fine, Cardinals. But yeah, right. Um, <laughs> and so that's kind of been really good. Uh, as well, I think for even looking at prospects, because now it's like, oh, you like Brian Packard? Well, well why? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. uh, and so that's that's been good too. And and uh, yes, Brian Packard is much better than everybody thinks. I'll leave it there. Yeah, no, I I, I agree with you on that. I mean, <laughs> I think he's going to be a, like like I said, watch him a couple times to West Michigan last year. I think the Tigers got to steal out of East Carolina and. and Chris had the chance. We had a chance to sit down and interview with him. We could have probably gone for a while with him. Honestly, it was a, uh, was a good experience, yeah, really good but kid. yeah, really my, good kid. My first, my first uh, experience with Bryant Packard was when Riley green actually made his debut at West, at West Michigan. And uh, I made sure to watch it. And all of a sudden I see this guy. I have no idea who he is for whatever reason. I hadn't followed, didn't pick up on it. And uh, he swung and I'm like, I love that. I, I, I don't know what just happened, but I love it. And I went and looked up. I'm like, oh, that's Brian Packard. <laughs> yeah, it's just it, it's just the same thing. It kind of stood out to to us. So, but uh, yeah, this was this was a great time, Trevor. I really appreciate you coming on. This was, I think, it was kind of long overdue. We've just been looking, trying to find the opportunity to make this happen. So, uh, before we go, what articles, what podcasts, what appearances you want to tease? Are you going to be on next? Oh. Uh... I will just throw out there that I'm starting a live stream series called Hoots on First. I've already done a, a couple of them. That's awesome. Uh, good name. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good last name to have. But uh, I'm going to have some great guests on. I'm going to try to get the Pitcherless guys on, um, Prospects Live guys. I'm sure I'll ask you guys at some point too, but I'm trying to get that off the ground here. So uh, just be watching out for that. It's a fun time to talk baseball. And I think last time we talked food for about an hour. I mean, it's just whatever goes, man. Just a uh, fun thing. So. Uh, plug that and only that for now. Oh, all right, cool. Yeah, definitely. We'll 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 plug it along and we'll retweet it, of course. And you can find all his work on the the various sites that I will be listing on the show description. So, um, one last thing: find find a baseball site. I probably have a byline. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> there you go. So, uh, yeah, and now it's almost like I've I've gotten every single person on the Bless You Boys staff now, on with the exception of some of the um, non writers of the or the not the paid writers, but the other. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's kind of nice to complete that trifecta, but yeah, we look forward to seeing what you have coming up. Um, I'm a big fan of film study Friday and I, I always watch from afar whenever I get a chance and it's good to talk Brian Packard. It's good to talk old school. Ra- it's good to talk radio period. So from one uh, producer <laughs> to another, I salute you and hopefully the play by play stuff comes up 
as you know, high school football is something that I've done for the last four years. It's fun. And it just right now, unfortunately, it just sucks with everything going on. And uh, hopefully you get some uh, opportunities soon. Yeah, it's hope. That's a, it's a really fun thing to do, honestly. And, and uh, if that sounds interesting to anybody, by the way, the best advice I ever got came from Nick Curran, who calls uh, Louisville Bats games. I know we're trying to wrap this up. It's going to be quick. Uh, he, I said, so you know, how did you get started? He goes, well, I'd watch games. I would turn the sound off and I would do play by play. So that's actually what I do when I watch minor league games too now is, is I don't listen to the sound at all. Really. Sometimes I do. I like Western Michigan. Um, uh, Dan hasty, but Dan hasty. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. I like, I like listening to him, but for the most part, if it's a team, I just don't care about. I'm looking at one guy. I'll sit there and call the game for an inning or two and then fast forward to the guy I want to see. So, uh, I've been doing that stay in shape too. <laughs> yeah. We got a, we got a request for the call handball game on Friday. So more on that a little later on, uh, we'll talk to Dan <laughs> hasty on that. So yeah, speaking of which we'll be talking to Dan here shortly, but Trevor, thanks again and look forward to talking to you again soon. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. It was a lot of fun. Thank you. Rory. Thank you. Bye-bye. 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 B